Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Culp Option Podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, listen to up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, or give us something to discuss in our new post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Hey everybody, it's AJ. Just at the start of this episode, the most disappointing films of 2019, part three. This is where we cover the second half of the year, and this episode will be split into two parts. Uh, We don't know when that will be when recording, so this is just me at the start saying, hey, this episode's two parts, Um, and I will come in again at the end to remind you of all the wonderful ways you can interact and support Cole Popshire. Uh, just to let you know, there are time codes in the show notes below of what we talk about and when we talk about. So if you want to avoid spoilers, they are there for you now. Thanks everybody. Let's get on with the show. Come along, everybody, to Cold Popshire Podcast Season 5. Thank you for Whoa. having me. Happy New Year, Richard. Happy New Year, Alex. Happy New Year, Jeremy. Happy New Year, Alexander. And Happy New Year, Richard. Oh. Are you going to say Happy Richard's New Year to Jeremy, Richard? So he, he can't be phone. bothered responding um, to me. Did I have a good New Year? <laughs> Was that what you asked? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Get off your phone, look up, man. Yeah, but there's a whole it was world. Good content that I wasn't listening. There's a whole world out there, man. <laughs> um, so That's this is, uh, we, we thought we would celebrate ringing in the new decade. Uh, Which is a new backtracking. decade. Yeah, it is, it is a new decade. Um, despite what certain uh, blackboards outside cafes will tell you, this is a new, this is a new decade. In fact, tomorrow can be a new decade, depending on where you'd start at the time. Mm, but there is a significance to the fact that the tens column in the year has changed to a two. Yes. yes. Anyway, even if it's just cultural significance. Yeah, anyway, stuff, what are we guys? doing? Real, today, real applicable to the task at hand. Yeah, so at the, at the midway through last year, we did uh, our most disappointing films of 2019 so far, uh, knowing that these podcasts literally, not even exaggerating, get longer with each year we do them. <laughs> yeah, um, we just take like, every year as an encouragement for the for the next one. They double every year. Have you noticed that? They actually double in size every year because our first half of the year was like two and a half hours or so. So we split it into two episodes of part three and four. We will probably be doing the same with this episode unless by some miracle we're only here for We've just stopped two having hours. anything to say about movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that came so out. This is, cool, good. Yeah, I don't have any yeah, opinions yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah this is the most disappointing films of 2019 part three of four yeah. possibly 
Uh, and w- there will be time codes in the description of this episode in the show notes for the certain movies when we talk about them. Um, because we're not necessarily going to be spoiling everything. Oh, no, we are. We're, we're definitely. Also, well, it's my personal uh, my personal goal to spoil every movie on this. Okay. So just I was gonna yeah okay I was gonna clarify like we might only have a few things to say about Hobbs and Shaw and then we'll move on. But other people other other movies will be like so here's what happens in the end. <laughs> so yeah yeah all right. Spoiling every movie. Yeah, so Just skip the way this it. works is, uh, yeah, this is kind of a sequel to our most anticipated films of 2019. So uh, I've still got the list of all the films we went through there. So if you remember what we said about these a year ago and you're waiting to hear um, the follow-up. You just can't wait to hear it. Uh, so we'll run through mm-hmm. those, uh, the ones we talked about previously, and then there's other films that have come out that we uh, maybe didn't know that were coming out this time last year. Um so the last film I believe um, we ended talking about was Ford v Ferrari, which ended up being bumped till November. Didn't even come out in the first half of the year, and then none of us saw it. So um, <laughs> there's a few of these that that we said we'd see, and none of us did. Even in, even in part. Yeah, two actually, I was going to say that um, AJ it was your big idea to um, go watch <laughs> Hellboy plan. and Men in Black International. So if you could just give us your summation of those films, because being a man of your word uh, i'm sure you've done that listen i've never claimed to be a man of my word <laughs> listen i never listen <laughs> because okay those movies received nothing but negative yeah, <laughs> reviews yeah. and so i was like what what is my hot take going to be on these universally panned movies i don't need to see them they are apparently very bad and maybe that that's the review that's the cult popture review so bad i didn't bother yeah, I'm happy with that. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, we talked about an untitled Annabelle film, part of the like Conjuring universe. Uh, did this come out? I don't know what it was called. Um, <laughs> it was called Annabelle Comes Home. Is that or does it come out next year or something? I don't know. No, that came out this year. Oh, that came out the same Annabelle day from? as Toy Story. Remember because Toy Story 4, Chucky and Annabelle Comes Home all came out the same time That's and they're right. all about talking live live toys. Yeah. Um, okay, but the first sort of big release that we saw after um, the uh, the the mid year break was Spider Man Far From Home. Uh, so mm-hmm. this was on my most anticipated of the year, and mm-hmm. you know what? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Who saw it? I have some. Well, Jeremy, what did you think of? Was Spider-Man it pretty Far good though, or was it really disappointing? Because <laughs> uh, for me, it was really disappointing. Really, I'd, I'd either go pretty good or really good. Oh wow! <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. I yeah. <laughs> I love that. Like me coming in and casting just a, sh- a shade of doubt makes you go, "Oh fuck!" I'm no, scared. I mean, like yeah, it, it genuinely awesome. was great. I saw he it a couple like times. He looks like a gorilla sparring up yeah. to, um, to defend his young. I, I really, I, I was, I was um, comedically underselling it. Oh, good. Okay, that's well, that's nice. Well, I, yeah. Let me comedically undersell my not liking of this movie. Okay, um, it was fine. No, uh, the thing I I think that this movie was really really good, except for the character of Jake, like Jake Gyllenhaal's character, and the sort of the, the evil part. the evil plot part of it, because I felt like just the use of tech and the projections and everything was such a 
it's, it was full of so many holes in terms of how you'd actually accomplish those things that for me it took me completely out of the movie and I couldn't really enjoy any of it or even though I enjoyed all the performances of all the people who'd been in the movies before and I thought that like all the stuff between Spider-Man and Mary Jane and like, yeah, that, like that was awesome I really enjoyed it I loved the travel I loved the locations I just really didn't believe the the big bad all and right. so that kind well, can of can you list one of these some of these plot holes that oh, ruined the movie for oh, man, it's been so long since I've seen the movie but um oh, okay. the I just remember I thought there were plot holes in it. You, he would have had to, rec- they had to record everything that they wanted the the drones to project before the um before the attack happened, yeah. which meant that they would have had to anticipate every single thing that Spider Man did so that they could get the drones to react to those things to project what needed to happen and you can't do that like you absolutely can't do that and so and they didn't have anyone doing it live and so it was I just like, i don't think they necessarily don't have anyone doing it live well they didn't know they, they they pre-recorded all of the stuff and so you can't do a 3D is it pre-recorded or is it like you can't dynamically- do a 3D projection of a reality that you don't know what that reality is supposed to do like it uh, but, to, in order to project it actually has to yeah anyway i i just i found the Jeremy, use of tech really really like flawed this kind of thing is what i've come to refer to in, in recent years as a jeremy problem <laughs> where it's like a problem with the the nitpicky like world building of the film and it doesn't it just doesn't bother me as much because i'm like yeah obviously this is impossible but so is spider-man spider-man no, but, like, is I impossible want, i want films to be internally consistent in terms of like I will totally get on board with the fact that they have the ability to create these drones that that project things so that people see a, a normal reality. But the way that they create those realities, like, it just, I don't know. I, and also, AJ, you've totally come on board with me for a few of these. So I'm, I'm going to reject your <laughs> overall criticism of Jeremyisms because you're totally on board for some of them. Dude, the worst, the wor- I hate to, to dredge up old shit, but I think every day about how much you, you said you liked um, About Time when I think that's got the most Jeremy problems <laughs> I've ever seen in a movie. Well, that's the thing. Maybe like, that's just evidence to say that if a movie is good enough in other aspects it can overwhelm the jeremyisms but this one wasn't for me i thought that i i i really liked mysterio jake gyllenhaal's character i really liked kind of the the double plays this movie did i like the way the drones like kind of were live but did you at any point i specifically like the thing jeremy did in life at any point did you ever think that jake gyllenhaal wasn't a bad guy no, but you, he's a bad guy in the comics, so anyone with like half a brain knows yeah. he's gonna. So what's do the point of doing bad? a double play? No, well, I thought I, I, I actually thought know. they did that really well because oh, the first trailer was like so obvious. It's like yeah, you're doing one of Spider-Man's classic rogue part of the part of his rogues gallery, but um, you, they 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 left the reveal so long in the movie that you're like, are they really doing it? And then it's like, no, of course not. <laughs> um, and so I I, I thought. That was because everyone knew going to that film that he was going to be revealed to be the villain. But the way they did it, I thought, was like as good as they could have done it, that it's still a reveal. I did really enjoy his speech in the bar. That was really Yeah, that was great. great. And, yeah. and it was so like, it was like lampshade hanging yeah. of like, oh, totally. this is ridiculous. He was chewing the scenery. Um, AJ, was it you that said you had an issue go up to that point about like the elementals and stuff? Yeah, like all the the elementals are, are like you know the first story you write when you're ten years old has elementals in it. Like it's such a basic building block of 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 fantasy storytelling that I was like, it's really they're really doing elementals as the villain in the what twenty fourth twenty third 
MCU film that's so basic. And then I was also like, why? Like, it's so crazy that Spider-Man would go to Europe and his problems, like, are there as well. That's so coincidental. And it turns out the reason it's coincidental is because it's being specifically orchestrated by Mysterio to lure in Spider-Man. Um, and, and, and so I thought, thought the cheap sci-fi is written by a shitty sci-fi yeah. writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was that was um, a really interesting way of doing that. Um, I okay, I like I liked a lot of it, and I liked a lot of the movies. One thing I don't really like is the fact that um, that Samuel Jackson was Talos the whole time. Mm. It, it was Nick. It was Talos shaped as Nick Fury. From, um, I don't think it added Marvel. anything to the story. the The only thing I like about it is that they're keeping Talos in the background cast because I really like Ben Mendelsohn and I'd I'd like to see that character um, sharp again. Um, but I don't think it added anything. And if anything, I feel like it detracted from Samuel Jackson's portrayal as Nick Fury in the movie. Mm. Um, except for where it's obviously being signposted that it's not actually him yeah. uh the, i i the, you know you can't talk about spider-man homecoming uh, far from home without talking about the fact that jk simmons shows up in the post credit scene as 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 j jonah jameson How good you know was i that? cheered in the theater Jeremy, i thought that was did awesome you like that? i did not stay for long what to see it <laughs> you do like it's, it's, it's literally like the they most... have like four or five Names come up, and then maybe like thirty seconds pass. Wait, it's been so, and, and so, and sorry. What happens scene. in this post credit sequence? Because so I may have seen the film. It. Ends, like the most important the film thing ends in with the movie. him taking Zendaya around um, New York, and then he's like, "Oh, I've got to go." And then it goes to credits, and then yeah, 20, 30 seconds pass, and then it comes back, and it's like we've now got a special news report on this big billboard um, from a controversial news website, the Daily Bugle, and then it's J. Jonah Jameson, played by J.K. Simmons, who's like. The, the the mass known as spider-man and it's like so essentially quentin beck recorded a little video that made spider-man look responsible for all of his crimes and then he's like and one more thing spider-man is peter parker and then peter parker's face is blasted yes sorry yes, the, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 um so that was really cool and uh like i like how for years they're contemplating of who who do you get to recast as as j jonah jameson when jk simmons was so perfect and it's such an obvious choice now that it's happened to just be like continuity cannons be damned we're casting the same guy. <laughs> yeah but also um, it's like a completely and, different interpretation of the character in some ways like absolutely it's, yeah, it's yeah. an updated version of the the media mogul um for mm. 20 19. Well, it's like how they used yeah. um, the footage of Marlon Brando for Spider-Man's for Cal uh, El, no, um, Jor El, um, in Superman Begins. Returns. Oh. Returns. Returns. So, well, Brando. Yeah, 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 yeah. Superman Returns. Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah, we've changed everyone else, but we'll still have Marlon Brando. <laughs> yeah, but I think Superman Returns is technically a sequel. Yeah, that, that's, to that's trying Superman to be a follow-on from the Christopher Reeve one and two. This is just someone playing the same character over two different you like universe canon but they recast every other character including lex luther who appeared in, yeah yeah in but it's still yeah, supposed yeah. to be a sequel and you're supposed to ignore the recasting. Oh, right yeah, yeah. It, it's still technically the same universe right, okay. like, the yeah. same way that um you know uh val kilmer's batman is supposed to be the next adventure right. of michael keaton's yeah. um uh so so the the my biggest problem with spider-man far from home is that is when it came out it came out too close to endgame i think it should have come out around now 
I, I don't know enough about what's when's good to release movies, but I think that three months after Endgame was not enough breathing room. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's because it starts immediately like lampooning the snap by showing it on cell phone footage and and seeing like shittily edited uh, Tony Stark memorial videos, which I don't have a problem with them <laughs> undercutting the joke, like undercutting the serious moment with a joke, but it almost felt like, it it feels like we needed Endgame to be the last thing we see for ages and then Spider-Man Far From Home to swing in and be like, hey, we're back, everybody, and now we're making jokes about everything. Yeah. I think it should have been the start of Phase 4, and I know there was a bunch of behind-the-scenes shit that may, would have made that complicated. And imagine if the whole shit about Sony um, and Marvel falling out had happened before Far From Home was released. That'd be so interesting. Yeah. Um, but I do think that... And, you know, we, in 20 years when people are watching these movies, a, apart from the, their release dates, no one's going to care about this. But as as someone watching them in real time, I felt like it came out too soon. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, there's the thing that it's like, it's in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. But yeah, as an audience member. Like many things. And then also like having to wait almost a year for the next MCU film. And I want it now. <laughs> oh, I want Black Widow now. <laughs> um, okay, so n- up next, uh, we talked about a film called Stuber, which is um, Kamal Nanjiani's um, Stu, Uber driver. It's an action movie. Um, I watched this. And mm-hmm. neither AJ or I did either. Yeah. I mean, well, no. it didn't make any sense, but AJ and I didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's fine. It's like, it's exactly what you would expect it to be. Yeah. You, it's pre- like- you prevented me from watching this by giving me your like short summary of it. And I was like, cool. That sounds. Yeah, rubbish. it's like. I don't know. There's a few nice moments, like Kamal Nanjiani's funny. Yeah, Dave Bautista's a, a fun screen presence. They I, have good chemistry. This is a thought I've had recently. Like seeing the trailer for his next movie coming up, I'm like, the, I'm really enjoying the rockification of Dave Bautista. Like yeah. just the full kind of like, no, we'll accept him as an actor across kind of any genre. Yeah, like he's actually just, and now he doesn't need to wear prosthetics or like dress up as anything. Mm. He just can be an a, an actor in a movie. Yeah, and he's a good screen I, presence. I would argue he's he's a better actor than Dwayne Johnson, though. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I mean, Dwayne Johnson fills a specific role on screen, yeah. which is to be yeah. the biggest action superstar of our current time. Other and than think- Dave Bautista. <laughs> <laughs> Second only to Dave Bautista. Yeah, I have a feeling Dave Bautista met. Nah. <laughs> uh, there but was yeah, a while I, I, where I was just fan casting Dave Bautista and everything on this podcast. Because <laughs> I was such um, a fan. He's I, so I good in love- Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, in such a small role. And his little um, short that mm. they did before. His, um, his short film is excellent, yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, I like that he's w- taking more interesting roles. Even his villain in um, Spectre was, you know, mm. kind mildly interesting <laughs> compared to the rest <laughs> of the film. Um, okay, next up uh, is a big one, uh, The Lion King. Now, this isn't uh, your animated favourite classic from uh, the early Wait, 90s. but Richard, The Lion King came out in 1994! Yes. Well, AJ, that it was remade in 2019 with in real live cameras, action with real, real lions real and a real king. lions. The podcast uh, is cancelled. It is still animated. How dare you? How dare you insinuate this is a live action film when it's 100 percent animated? You fucking it's actually not 100 percent animated. The first shot of the film is is not animated. Wow. And that defines an, a movie. <laughs> I, first, I can't believe a movie like, is if, defined by the first shot. If you were to tell me at the beginning of this year that by the end of the year I would just have no 
feelings or thoughts about the Lion King re-release, like the remake. I'm glad of the you Lion kept talking. King. I was like, Jesus, like you had a child. <laughs> like, I, I just, I just, um, like I, I just wouldn't have believed you. But I just, I, I went to it and I just didn't care about any of it. I was just like, okay, all right, mm. sure. You know, like it's just the only bit that made me at all riled up or excited about it, like, was when I got pissed off about that. Um, uh, when S- Simba is running back to the Pride Lands, and, and they have that it. really horrifically jammed in original Beyonce <laughs> song, which yeah. is so inappropriate. It's like <laughs> Spirit, what the hell? It's just like it. It, it was like. The, the way I described it to my wife at the time was that basically it's is it's the final song on it for an X Factor winner, and like Fuck the, yeah, the feel 100%. of it is like it's very Leona all, Lewis. All, all the sparks are coming down on the stage, and all the previous contestants are rushing onto the stage to congratulate someone, yeah. and like and there's Fuck like yeah. the ticker tape comes out and it meets the sparks, and there's like a hellish fire that like uh, consumes them all. I mean, sorry, that's just what I want to happen, but like I just was like, this is so wrong for this moment but of like so Simba right. returning to his like oh just anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I 100% know what you mean. But and that was the only part that made me feel anything. Uh, other, sorry, other than Timon and Pumbaa, which was great. Yeah, I thought I thought Timon and Pumbaa were fun updates to the characters. Um, Timon and Pumbaa were a peek at what this whole movie could have been. Exactly. Yeah. They were, tellingly, like, it was how the to update only place yeah. where they trusted... Yeah. Where, where they trusted themselves to do something new because they were like, you know what, if we just try to copy... Th-. And it's funny because they were like, if we copy comedy, it will fall flat. But they think mm. that if they copy just... If they copy songs, they copy performance notes from like the actors' voice performances. Mm. That's totally fine and everyone wants a mimic. But there's something so ingrained in comedy where you, you can't steal people's jokes because mm. if you try to steal someone's joke and do it, it will just fall flat. And they knew it. And so they, then they, they let the comedy happen... Mm. Fit new and it just showed what they should have done with the yeah, rest. Yeah, and, and as far as I know, and which and it's rare for um like voiceover films, but they had Donald Glover, Billy Eichner, and Seth Rogen in the room together mm. improving because um Donald Glover is a talented comedic actor as well. Like he's done a lot of stand up and stuff like that. But he's um yeah, I thought uh I thought the adult um Simba Nala were a lot worse than the kid ones oh, Donald Glover and Beyonce suck in this movie yeah. yeah I'm I'm a big Donald Glover fan I'm I'm ambivalent about Beyonce but like I I when I watched this I was like you know what hot take out the gate they are terrible yeah, in this. yeah. terrible voice actors can you feel the love today <laughs> <laughs> no, no. bright sun bright yeah. sun the whole time they're singing it and the, the thing about the thing that sorry this, you've reminded me what else I said at the time which was that basically th- Donald Glover and Beyonce's line readings, because that's what they were, sounded like when you get like the two popular kids in the English class to read like the main characters in, in when you're reading through a Shakespeare play. And mm. like it's just like, oh, these kids are the most popular ones in the class. And then it turns out they just suck, but they got the roles because they were like the most popular ones yeah, and not yeah, the most talented ones. To <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, the um uh, the worst I thought the worst line readings were from uh, James Earl Jones. He just sounds tired and old, <laughs> and you and you look at behind the scenes footage of him, and you know everyone like Billy Eichner, Timon, um, and all that are like they're having a lot of fun, um, and then he's sitting in a chair. Is it like a weekend at Bernie's? He's got the script in front of him, and he's just kind of just like saying the stuff. Like I'm doing this again twenty years later. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The, well, yeah so th- I think that that um 
yeah, with Timon and Pumbaa being the highlight, they are like they they represent what Aladdin could have been with Will Smith as the genie. Yeah, and now we talked about that. How, how he so. should have. They, 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 they. You cannot be doing these movies where you get known like celebrity personalities in, and then not have them be those celebrity personalities in favor of, um, you know, honoring the, the original source material. You shouldn't be making these movies at all, Disney. <laughs> like that. That's the the biggest takeaway I think, in ter- at least in terms of quality, in terms of money. The Lion King's like one of the highest grossing animated films of all time now. I think, um, like the remake is a technically animated. So yeah. it's highest grossing. I asked on the Cop Popshire Discord, which you can find a link to in the show notes to join, uh, what people thought was the most disappointing movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, one person said The Lion King, and then everyone just talked about The Lion King. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so I guess that's that's that's, that's their the you, you right. know, consensus. Well, Thanks for listening. Talking more about the rest of the movies <laughs> <laughs> because um, uh, and they talk. People were talking about how it's weird how John Favreau can do. Some, John Favreau's got such an, a yo-yo career, man, because a like he's done some some incredible work with with um, Marvel and and even the Jungle Book. I, I would say is easily the best live action Disney remake. Um, but the yeah, the Lion King is is like the problems with the Lion King is or are all the problems everyone thought the Lion King was going to have. Uh, where and then he went and made the Mandalorian, which was you know at the best of times praised um, <laughs> yeah i mean just i mean like even the best yeah i think it just shows that some some knots are impossible to untangle like you just mm. everyone knew that those are gonna be the problems with the lion king and yeah. he was a really good choice to try and overcome them and yet i guarantee you that with the set of rules that were laid down for how you, the studio is was willing for you to do this and the priorities that they had for making that kind of movie mm. he just wasn't able to piece together a satisfying creation out of it yeah i think it's it's an it's a fascinating experiment i don't think it in any way replaces the first one which are, which is the same as beauty and the beast mm. or or aladdin um but it's like it's a fascinating testament to the power of the Kuleshov effect as well. That like it, your enjoyment of this movie depends on how much emotion you're willing to put on blank faces because of what you know they're supposed to be reacting to. Yeah, and so if, if you're able to buy into that, and it's like you, you shouldn't have to do this, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I've. Because a lot of people are like, this just looks creepy. The animals' faces don't move at all. But I, I was able to see a lot of, it, like, it was these very subdued, subtle mm. performances, I felt. And um, be- because I, I, I don't know, I guess I just bought the phone on on those terms. And I, I quite liked it. I, I still had a good, I, I was, I would say I had a good time at the movies, but this is one of the worst movie-going experiences I've had in my oh, yeah, entire I life. this. Um, <laughs> Oh, I went to like this because I think I went on like opening night or like opening weekend or whatever at this mall that I never go to the movies at, and it was like, um, oh, I was just so crowded and like there were so many people there. People were like talking to their friends on the other side of the cinema right through the like trailers and like right up until the studio, the, the opening logos. People were walking in. 15 20 minutes into the film people were taking flash photography of mufasa's death oh my god and like um spoilers for the lion king yeah it was like while i enjoyed the movie this is like one of the worst cinema going experiences in my entire life (laughs) i i what i really hope is that this year 
the studios learn the right lessons from the failures of these movies. So I'd say like basically this year is the year that studios should learn that uh, hand-drawn animation and like, you know, proper, proper computer animation like Pixar animation is exactly how you do animals talking and singing. You mm. do not try to bring human faces and emotions to them in a realistic manner because Lion King and Cats, which we will talk about, like has has no, just proven that there's no even when you bring like the best directors and the and the, all the studio money to it you just can't do it it's the uncanny valley and you can't mm. get out of it there's the uncanny no, there's, valley there's no <laughs> thank you for using my own joke against me oh did you, oh, you did not invent uncanny valley i did i've seen that <laughs> i I've absolutely that did everywhere i said i can go back into our facebook messenger chat as soon as the cats trailer got released i said we have now entered the uncanny valley all right, let me just well, have a look. I'm sure a bunch of other I people tweeted said it, at the it as same well. Time. I may have deleted my tweet though because it got no likes. Um, <laughs> Coward! Oh no, you, <laughs> you said. Um, uh, Pause, ladies and gentlemen. You while said, Richard reads. I love it. We, so I sent a link to the um, to the trailer, and you said, "I love how much I hate this. Exact. It's exactly as fucking bizarro land on Catty Valley as I hoped it would be." And then AJ said, this is a gift. I said, a Christmas gift. And you said, by the way, I'm trademarking Uncatty Valley now. Yeah, so stick that <laughs> in your fucking mouth. And then AJ, you said, how about the Unfeline-y Valley? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'll let you Let's have Unfeline-y Valley. For the That's next the one hours. you coined. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Man, a lot of people owe you money there, Receipts. Jeremy, because yeah. I've seen that joke Receipts. everywhere. Uh Sweet. So, yeah, I think that's all we have to say yeah, about The Lion, Lion King. King yeah. Yeah. Okay, because so next up was another one that was on my most anticipated movie of the year, which The Lion King was on as well, um, is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Is this the only movie that we saw together as a three? I was going to say yeah. that. Yeah. It's the only movie any all three of us have seen together. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like, ever. So we don't need to talk about oh, no, no, it because we all know Rich what Rich and I have also gone to see a movie together. Yeah. AJ? No, no, but the three of us yes. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we don't need to talk about it because we've already spoken <laughs> about it. <laughs> The most exciting thing about this film is that uh, Lord was sitting in front of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember that? And AJ yeah. was like, oh, oh, I really want to, I want to do something. I want to, oh, should well, I say she something? Because she walked out before the, like, she, 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 yeah. left, she left before the post credit scene and I thought about tweeting her and being like, hey, Lord, you missed the post credit scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> but I was like, that's too creepy. You're like, wait, I'm a white guy. That's creepy. <laughs> um, why'd you have to make it a race thing? Um... Okay, so what do we think of this film? I'm gonna put my hand up know. and say this makes a play for for an early play for my most disappointing film of the year. Yeah, I I, I made a claim on the uh, on the anticipated podcast that if this isn't my favorite Tarantino movie and my favorite Leo movie, I'm gonna be disappointed by it because I had such high expectations. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's an interesting one because a lot of people were like, yeah. I think the general consensus is it wasn't as good as it should have been. But then you have some people who are just like, this is the best film of the year. Yeah, I some people fucking love yeah, it. Yeah, so some much. people think it's the best film of the and year. I, I like, I, and the thing is, I genuinely, I've asked a few people when they've written this in like the Facebook comments under some of your posts and stuff like that. Like, I genuinely want to know what it is about this movie that you found so, because for me, my biggest response to this movie, I was so bored. I was so just sitting there being like, 
what is happening and yeah. why are any of these people do and why did Quentin Tarantino choose to show us these characters doing these particular things for three hours this, leading up to yeah. what is actually a very exciting last 10 minutes and like it's it's a sweet relief and it's almost like the sort of you know wonderful release after sort of just this agony of the previous yeah. two and so I, I think you and I represent two different ends of the spectrum of how we but we feel the same way about this movie um, I was like yes daddy Tarantino give me three <laughs> hours of just people talking i love a good like hangout movie you've got just like these actors and, and like every single role in this film was filled yeah. by a spectacular actor yeah, except absolutely. for zoe bell um <laughs> yes. zoe please stop casting me in tarantino movies bell um <laughs> and then you have this uh world killing silly stupid last 10 15 minutes um I like because it's a Tarantino movie. Everyone's expecting this big gore and and gunfire at some point. And I was like, it had gone the whole movie without anything like that. And I was like, I would I would love if this was just it. You know, like he it's it like it's real restraint. It's subverting audience ex, audience expectations. Uh, but no, we just got this like silly kind of battle. And I think maybe it's because I'm not. I don't. I'm not super knowledgeable about the whole um, Manson family and sure, the whole the whole case and and everything like that. Whereas I think something like uh, Inglorious Bastards, you see Hitler get gunned down in a movie a movie theater. You're like, mm. yeah, fuck you, fuck you, Hitler. Mm. Whereas in this, uh, there isn't that same sort of sense of satisfaction if you don't know because all the people that get beaten up at the end are real people. And I've seen people say like, if you know the case like that bitch that gets yeah, yeah, like yeah. the dog food to the face yeah fuck her you know and so it, it it felt gratuitous but it wasn't the i didn't get the same sense of satisfaction because it's it's relying on your real world knowledge not what the film has done up until now to be satisfied by that yeah it's it's like the thing that really struck me about the movie thinking about it afterwards was that like it was really tarantino being like this in some ways was this wonderful golden age of Hollywood and the Manson murders really was this marking of a time where it all got ruined. And mm. so it was almost his way of saying like, oh, fuck you for ruining this. I want a, I want a history where like things were able to continue the way that they that they were. Yeah. Um, and so that's why it was so viciously sort of like, you know, in the face of these three people who yeah. did that. And, and I get that. But at the same time, like, there's just whole conversations in this movie that I'm just like, they feel completely untethered to anything. There's no motivations for any of these characters. There's no real plot. There's no like, and, and I get, I like I, when you say hangout movie, yeah. can you give me another example of a really good hangout movie where there's like a similar level of just kind of like dazed and confused. Oh yes, I didn't like that either. Right. <laughs> yeah, or, or like the before trilogy. Yeah, there, like there's some there's some really successful moments in this. I I loved the whole sequence with um Brad Pitt arriving at the at the ranch and like the tension that Tarantino mm. was able to build up and yeah. like I was like this is masterful. Oh, that's work. The, like yeah yeah when he goes um to see Bruce the old Dern. man yeah, and yeah. he like that's the best scene. Like yeah. that that's absolutely amazing. Like I and and you go yeah Tarantino is a master of his of of his genre like when he chooses a genre. Um, but there's just yeah, there's just so many extraneous bits, and I was just like, I just don't care about any of this, and so it kind of failed for me as a film. Yeah. 
when I just I have no idea what to make of this movie. Like that that's what you said to me as the credits rolled, Rich, and I was like, I'm so glad you said that. If we'd hmm. come out of this oh, theater, I was so was... relieved when the two of you felt similar. I was like, oh, thank God, I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was what it felt like. I was like, if, if I was like, if Richard loves this, I actually don't know how to like jam with him about like it a real because I have no idea what clothes to think. kind of situation. Like- <laughs> <laughs> And I think, I think I felt when I first saw Pulp Fiction, I remember I was like, I didn't, I don't feel like that movie didn't do anything to me. And then very quickly, I realized like what it's saying thematically and how each scene plays into that central theme. And now I love Pulp Fiction so much. I don't, I don't, I didn't, I never understood in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood thematically what was going on. And Tarantino is so like it feels it feels aimless because of that it feels like you're not watching things build towards a central idea or message or whatever and so it just feels aimless you know and and i think it might have been you jeremy afterwards i was reading or heard somewhere that his message is is actually quite uh it's all about how like we need this is a, this is a day and age we're living in now where the macho man has been relegated to the sideline because we don't believe in that anymore and those and aren't now values we men have. are supposed to be in touch with their feelings like dirty hippies yeah 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 and and how this movie is kind of a testament to why we still need the macho man like we don't, and if we, don't that like, is, we don't like people like Brad Pitt but when shit goes down and a beautiful woman like Sharon Tate's about to be murdered we're really glad that like corner. brutes like like Brad Pitt are actually around. Yeah. And they have and their own that, kind of code. They have their own code of ethics, which they have like sort of hardwired into them, and they're not going to let mm. anyone else tell them what they should do. Yeah. And if that's if that's the message of the film, I fucking hate that message. <laughs> I think that's an awful message, and 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 I it makes me disagree fundamentally with what the film is. If that's what it's saying, um, and I just I so. By the way, that that's a, that's a message that I I read a piece where someone's arguing that yeah, I wasn't right. sort of that right. I didn't come up with that um, myself. Yeah, I, yeah, I do think this has a chance to do very well at the Oscars though, um, because its primary um, the audience is the Oscar voting. What, what is this, its main <laughs> um, opponents are a South Korean film and two films from Netflix, um, and so I don't I don't know if the Academy is ready to award things to those to to a foreign film or netflix yet um as we saw last year when green book won over roma um and this is a period piece it's about hollywood it's by a beloved director who's never won best picture and or it's best got director like before. some bona fide movie stars in it like yeah you can't so get more glittering than them this this is the this is this year's uh green book where it's if the academy is not willing wow. to take a risk um, and actually award the best film, this is their safe choice, their very in-character choice. Well, and also they, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Tarantino's never won best film, right? Yeah, no, he hasn't. And so, He's never won best director either. Yeah, and so they can, this this is one of those times where they could absolutely be like, oh, he deserves it. We'll, we'll give, we'll give yeah, an award to this film. It's like a legacy film. one. Because yeah. this, this is their second or last chance to give it to him as well. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and look, I, it's crazy to think that Tarantino is this year's Green Book, but I, I agree. Um, and I I just, I don't think I like this movie now that I'm talking about it mm. openly. I Do you know what, what the biggest indictment I can give on this movie? I haven't thought about it since yeah, we saw yeah. it. Yeah, sure, yeah. yeah exactly. I haven't thought um, about it once. I do think, um, for as someone who's known to be critical of Leonardo DiCaprio, I thought he was great in this movie. I thought he he yeah, played too, the actually. um 
Uh, it's almost so as Brad Pitt. Like all the performances in this film are fantastic. Mm. Um, like Brad Brad Pitt plays that macho, lovable kind of guy that you just you you just want to hang out with essentially. And I thought Leo, um, yeah, he was able to sort of have a bit of fun with it, but also. There's a lot of depth to his character and regret and also like that insecurity. And I, I saw an interview um, which summed up the, sort of my feelings about Leonardo DiCaprio when um, the interview, I think it was the first question they asked because it was a round table with Tarantino, Margaret Robbie, Brad Pitt and um, Brad Pitt, sorry, and um, Leonardo DiCaprio. And um, the first question with the interview was like, so you're uh, playing an actor who's who's not very sure of their abilities. Was that... Was that a stretch for you? And like Tarantino, Pitt, and um, Robbie all like crack up. And then and Brad Pitt's like, that is an amazing question. That is so funny. And Leo's just like, um, yeah, well, I mean, I think as actors, we've, we've all got these, um, these insecurities. <laughs> and it's like, just laugh at the question or like play along. And it's like, um, yeah, him on the, the campaign trail, when you've got Margaret Robbie and Brad Pitt, who are both so charismatic and so lovable and then leo is just like oh yeah yeah nah um that was a good movie wait my my latest girlfriend just turned 25 i'll be back soon (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. i I have to kick her out of the house um (laughs) (laughs) what an amazing build upon that joke (laughs) um it's not that he has to go wish her happy birthday (laughs) it's that she's too old Uh, oh, fun! Yeah, but I thought um, the his stutter, like that was that was a really good character thing, and how it mm. disappeared when he was acting and when he was most vulnerable. That was um, yeah. wasn't there. I just I, the, the the biggest thing, and I think the the thing that sums up the movie for me is the fact that I felt like Leonardo DiCaprio's character was the most interesting character in the film, mm. and yet there's no real resolution to his to his story at all. Mm. Um, yeah, we kind of get the. Oh, two years later, and it's he's he's got a career now. Um, but I, like, what, it's, it's yeah. about his internal yeah. life. Yeah, we've been talking about this movie for for quite a while, and I'm realizing how fucking long this podcast is going to be. But just quickly before we move on, um, what do you guys think of the um, all the complaints there was about um, Margot Robbie not having enough lines? I I just think complaining about what a director chooses to do in a movie. Um, when it comes to the characters that he himself has written and when an actress signs on to be a part of that movie and loves the role and loves performing it and stuff like that. Like I'm getting a bit over people saying this director should have done this or this director should have done that when it comes down to like if if he had taken source material of another of a book or of something where Margot Robbie's character was a massive speaking role and then mm. he'd like minimize her right down to something, then yes, I think it would be a, a, a totally legit complaint. But the thing is he conceived of this movie to say something about Hollywood and, a, and keeping her as an icon yeah. and keeping her as a, sort of a vision of what Hollywood, of the perfection of what Hollywood could be. That's his choice to make to say that she is a character. We're going to spend a lot of time with her her, like a lot of time with mm. her acting and on screen if she's not saying a lot that's an obvious choice of his and i don't think it was a choice of his because he doesn't like women or he doesn't trust female characters mm. i think it's a choice to about how he wants us to perceive her and yeah. so for me i, d- I didn't hold much stock yeah I, th- I think she was still a, a, a massive presence in the film and like, and like a lot of people said she's the heartbeat of the film mm. um and so yeah i don't think that she's relegated to a 
tiny role or anything like that. The, the, the argument about Anna Paquin and the Irishman was similar, and I think Scorsese has more of a leg to stand on on saying that that character was the heart of the film. Uh, I, I, I barely remember Once Upon a Time in Hollywood enough to be able to comment on this with any real thought, but I will say this. I don't hold Tarantino... I don't. I think he's perfectly fallible, and it's perfectly possible that he has some unconscious biases towards women that he's not. Oh, yeah, that, but they're being clearly demonstrated in his other movies that he's made, which totally don't feature women in strong roles. Yeah, exactly. You've, I, I was about to say. I was about to say exactly that. Is that he is he is uh, proven before this that um, he believes in women characters. So this probably isn't the best like yeah i can imagine it being frustrating when you really want a character to represent something in a film and they happen to be a woman Mm. um and people act like you're relegating them to the to the sideline i don't know i don't know enough about. i also think that um by fleshing out a real person who was tragically murdered um uh, too much you're you're bordering on some iffy kind of territory i also just think that listening to what her sister said about the film yeah i just that that erases for me the criticism because mm. her sister said it was like spending spending three hours with her sister and she couldn't have been happier and i'm like that's great um okay so up next um a film that aj and i've already talked about so we'll just kind of quickly get your thoughts jeremy but uh fast and furious presents hobbs and shaw yeah, I mean, it was a Fast and Furious movie, so it was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think that um, uh, all the other members of the Fast and Furious franchise would have been watching that movie being absolutely furious about how much fun it was. Mm, um, I think that the the finale <laughs> in Samoa was overlong um, and it was a bit patchy, but yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was funny. It was full of action. It was exactly what you want out of those movies and mm. so good on them. Make some more. Yeah, I, I was on a plane um, a couple of weeks ago. And it was Kevin Hart sitting in front of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> um, but yeah, someone like in front of me on the other side of the aisle was watching this film and I was like, man, this is stupid. <laughs> like, at the time I was like, oh yeah, cool. Like, I, I got into it and I had a good time, but I was like, man. What a dumb film. Oh, and just like all the, the like, this is one place where Jeremyisms just don't belong. Like F- Fast and Furious, like I just don't give a shit. <laughs> this, there's, this and About Time. There's, <laughs> there are so many of them. Like how much travel time is involved between London and Russia and then Russia to Samoa. And like sure. she's got this 36 hour window and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's ridiculous. And I, I think the main thing that I'm like, disappointed in this film is that uh the rock and jason statham aren't going to be in fast and furious 9 because they're like the best parts of the film that now we're getting a fast and furious 9 that's just vin diesel mumbling about family and they're bringing back jordana brewster which is the stupidest thing i've ever heard but you'll hear about that next week or the week yeah for for our complete thoughts on this movie and the franchise in general go back and listen to our fast and furious episode yeah so the same day as fast and furious we had the new mutants remember how that was finally It's coming out this it's year. Coming out it's, this there's year, a trailer apparently. in April or something. Yeah, there's a trailer that comes out on April 3rd, this uh, 2020, and there's a trailer coming out uh, the same day this is being released. Is it going to be the same trailer as the previous three trailers that they've released? Um, well, there's only been one trailer. <laughs> oh, really? Um, oh, right. And that came out three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, barely. Like, just, you, just over two years. Can you imagine being a cast member? Because they're relatively young cast members, right? Yeah. Is it being a cast member of this film and being like, Okay, we finally got the PR dates. These, this is your promo yeah. round. You're gonna. This is like you're. you're we're now gonna get you to go and talk about the process of making this film from when you were 15. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but 
Like it's it's insane. Yeah, the director this whole has said that I've never seen this. Um, the film coming out is his original cut, which is interesting. But we'll talk about this more on anticipated. Okay, so uh, next up we've got uh, Dora the Explorer. This I actually watched uh, the live new live action Dora the Explorer, and you know what? It's pretty funny. It hits the right tone. There's a scene where they get high and what? Um, Classic it, Dora the Explorer. It turns to like the cartoon world. Oh my god, it's very funny. That's great. It's um. It, it, it's it's how us three would write a Dora the Explorer movie kind of thing. Oh, cool. um, it's like if Nickelodeon came to you and said you have to write a Dora the Explorer movie, and it still has to be able to play on Nickelodeon, and it still has to like appeal to our audience. This is how you would do it. Understood. Um, Artemis Fowl has been bumped to May next year, which another movie that I feel like is been coming year. out for fucking ever. Um, Angry Birds movie two, another movie I watched, not as good as the first one, but. Um, <laughs> It's still probably a lot better than you'd expect from an Angry Birds movie. Uh, Playmobil, the movie. I which, don't even know which if this AJ, was the here. movie you were going to fly up here so we could watch together. <laughs> That's right. Playmobil? <laughs> yeah. Play- you promised. That, didn't they have like the worst opening of all time yeah, or something? Yeah, it did. Um, That's hilarious. That Playmobil, the movie, is just something you look at and you, you're like, Hollywood, how did you not <laughs> see what was going to happen Like here? three-year-olds do not receive marketing for movies. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Angels Fall in the thrilling conclusion to that, that trilogy that no one gives a shit about. <laughs> um, came out this year as well. I remember that. Uh, but like, then, seriously, out of out of yeah. the two movies about taking the White House that came out at the same time, that was the worst. The one, one with Channing Tatum definitely was the one that should have had a trilogy yeah. rather than the one with. Um, I heard that was like a new Die Hard. Gerard yeah. Butler. I heard it was the new um, Home Alone. Anyway, um, we've got <laughs> uh, ne- next big release. This is on my most anticipated of the year, and I think AJ, you might have had it as well. Uh, is it Chapter Two? Now, uh, AJ, I think you probably have a lot more to say about this film than I do. Okay. So why don't you kick us off? Uh, I thought this was very disappointing. And um, I when I first saw it, it ended and I was like, oh, that was all right. I didn't like it. But then as time has gone on, I'm like, I think I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or at least I, I only remember bad things about it. Um, yeah. I think like the, the casting, obviously, everyone always raved about the casting and it is great. And Bill Hader is great. Um, and a lot of people like this, this movie. A lot of people don't. I, I think, I think it was real bad. And I think that there's, there's like the whole second act is so stupid and 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 convoluted and it's like literally just fetch quests and it's just Um, a reason to have the young cast in it yeah yeah a reason to have the young cast back in it and kind of a confusing place of like where is the set like i found it difficult to it's not immediately obvious when they go to the flashbacks where the cast actually are i think ultimately as 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 lovable as the young cast members were in the first one i think it was a mistake to to make the movie a equal parts young and old i think i think these should have been the young the the movie where they're kids and the movie where they're adults um i don't know yeah. if that would have saved it um um there's a scene at the start when they all come back together in dairy and they're just having uh, dinner at the chinese restaurant and then crazy shit starts happening and when that was going on i turned to jess and i was like because this is like 15 minutes of the film i turned to jess and i was like i bet this is gonna be the best scene in the film yeah right like uh, this will be the highlight um yeah yeah and and it probably was but uh, having said that i didn't dislike this film i think a lot of people really didn't like a lot of people i work with were like yeah it's shit um it's i i think it gave me 
for my money it gave me more of what i liked from the first one which is what i wanted um but i do i do think it's not maybe not as competently made it's it it relies a lot more heavily on jump scares i remember because i'm not a big jump scare fan and you saw this before i did and you um messaged me that you were like oh there was there's a bit where it's like when he looks under the bed um, there's a jump scare and you took note of it because you're like, oh, I'll tell Richard because the first one didn't Aww, have any and so I'll, I'll warn Richard about this one jump scare and then there's like 50 of them. But um, <laughs> there, There's like, there is maybe one jump scare in It 1. Yeah. There are like countless in It Chapter 2. Yeah, but it, it is like a classic um, poorly done jump scare fashion where um, that's you can see it coming a mile away. It's, it's oh, they're looking under something and the music rises and, and then something up. jumps out, you know? Um, I thought the ending was really weak as well. The way they def- defeat Pennywise is, 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 I don't understand why, like, first of all, the way they defeat him in It Chapter 1 is great. The way they defeat him in It Chapter 2 is not only not as, like, impactful, but I don't know why you would assume that would keep him at bay if the first, if the one from the first one didn't keep him at bay. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's so it's so it's not higher stakes enough for you to be like oh now they've got him for good yeah because they're roasting uh, and, him yeah they roast him to death and yeah, it's like well you, you could have done that in the first oh, one right. like they just decide not to be scared of him which is essentially what they did in the first one but yeah, better yeah. Uh, i think that this is a concept that works far better with kids as the protagonists yeah, for um, sure. and i i really thought this was and in, in, like it's strange how how bad I, this ended up being. I thought yeah. I didn't think it would be as bad as it was. That's interesting. Uh, all right, so the Downton Abbey movie came out. This did you end up watching that, Jeremy? I did end up watching it with my wife. Did you like it? Uh, she loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you like it, Jeremy? <laughs> um, I it, it's because I had watched uh, the first three seasons of Downton Abbey. How many, did, how many seasons? Are there? Six, I think. Right. Um, I I quit watching it after Matthew died because I was like, yeah, this was obviously not in the original intentions of the of the you know uh, series maker, um, yeah. and so now the story is no longer interesting to me. Uh, right. anyway, it, it was a perfectly serviceable like it you know for people who like that sort of thing, that is the sort of thing which they like. Uh, so that's the perfect that, review. Yeah. So the thing that's hilarious about it though is that um the main uh tension in the film is that all of the servants who work in downton abbey like the king and queen are coming to downton abbey and the thing that they are most upset about is that the king and queen are bringing all of their own servants to downton abbey and they won't have a chance to serve the king and queen themselves they're like no don't give us a weekend off we want to work in the bottom in the bowels of this great house yeah i know a few millennials that could uh use this movie am i right (laughs) I looked. I just looked up the critical reception because, uh, no offense, Jeremy, but you're often a dissenter from critical reception. It was. It's. It's got like eighty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but I imagine that's because no one who hasn't seen the show is seeing this. Yeah. Well, for for the for people who like that sort of thing, that is the sort of thing that they like. So you know, it it was fine. So fuck you, AJ. <laughs> um. Gladly. All right. Uh, You're like, please. Uh, so, Spies in Disguise uh, has been bumped to January. Uh, I think it's out now. So, catch yeah. the Will Smith Pigeon movie in cinemas now. I was just listening to a review of this, and they said it was way better than it had any right to be. 
Interesting. It's apparently it's got a higher Rotten Tomato score than Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, which basically, will, which we'll get to because basically they talk about the fact that it's got really good slapstick and very few. The person I was listening to said that basically very few cartoon animation houses these days are into slapstick violence, and mm. this one goes all in, and so it's really good for kids. When AJ and I went to see the Boss Baby, I said, "What do you, what do you reckon the chances are that there'll be a shot of someone falling or getting hit or something like that?" And the camera will zoom in on their face and it'll go into slow motion and they'll be like, and they'll do a funny face. And it happened. Blue it happens in face. every film. It's blue sky um, face. Yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. next uh, big release. This is a big one. I had it on my most anticipated list of the year and it's Joker. What did we think? Did it make you want to shoot anyone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can can I go first? I've 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 tried to reconcile my feelings about this mm. film. All right, yeah, let the white male go first. Oh. <laughs> um, I so I don't know if you guys know this, but but I'm quite I'm quite passionate about a lot of the the movie the things this movie was criticized for being against um and so learning that it was quite a potentially quite a damaging movie um no pun intended jared leto's joker has damaged on his forehead um uh, yeah when you have to explain your pun after saying no pun intended because it wasn't clear enough um and then explain your explanation yeah yeah (laughs) and then explain that (laughs) (laughs) the podcast is just us building on that um So I went into this movie basically being like, I feel like this movie is going to offend me or be dangerous in different ways, yeah. especially in a, in a year which has seen so much fallout for what this movie was criticized for promoting. And I thought that, and I I feel like that clouded any kind of critical judgment I could have of this film. I liked parts of it and I, I thought the, the, the ending was pretty cool and um, I thought that some of it was as cringy as everyone was was joking it would be like no there's a, there's a part there's a part where he sees a sign that says don't forget to smile and he crosses out forget to so it just says don't smile and when that happened me and my friends in the theater were like holy shit oh my god that's mind blowing which is was really funny and so it's it's got a lot of stuff like that in it which which is as cringy and people and like I don't like I hate what um what's the direct Todd Phillips said about how like you can't make a comedy in today's woke age, and it was like the most uh, setting himself and, but he up. Said, and he said all the all the best guys have stopped doing comedy, and it's like that's a great use of the word guys there, Todd. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> um, and I I just I don't know what I think of this movie because I was too concerned with uh, being on the right being side woke. of history with my re- reception to it. But I will say this: nothing. Like there were no school shootings inspired by it, at least not yet. Um, and give it time. So maybe a lot of that was for for nothing. I do I don't think it's anywhere near the like mind blowing game changer that um what was the festival that it premiered at? Uh, uh, Toronto. Yeah. That no no it was the no the one in France. Cannes. Yeah yeah that 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 they said it was. Um, I I think. I would have been interested to, to I'd be interested to see what I thought being able to watch it without knowing that people had had these like fundamental issues with what it was saying. Mm. Um and I I don't know what that says about me as a film goer, but ultimately I I kind of nothing this movie and uh, yeah. I th- I, yeah. I know, I I think it's un- undeniably a very well crafted, very well acted film. 
Um, yeah, sorry, the, the perform- Joaquin Phoenix is just a real fucking good actor. So no matter what yeah. you do with him, um, he's going to be And amazing. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a super interesting character piece. I think it's so much better than anything Tom Phillips has done. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, this is, you know, in my top 15, but not my top 10 kind of thing. Um, just before I forget as well, I was just reading the other day that um, apparently the original ending of this film had, you know, when all the riots going on and stuff like that, it would have the Joker go into an alleyway and kill uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne and then, you know, do his laugh and then kill Bruce Wayne little kid bruce wayne um which would have been an interesting twist on i thought i always thought that was what was going to happen i was like this movie will end with bruce wayne dying yeah but it was um yeah i I thought it was great i thought um yeah i don't know it's like it's maybe not as good as some people are claiming it to be it's not but then it's also like it's nowhere near as bad or yeah it's not as bad as i think some people want it to be and and what you're saying about the school shootings and stuff like that i thought it was kind of disgusting the way the media beforehand seemed to really want this to inspire some shootings yeah um they're almost daring someone to do it yeah it was it was so if you do it we will cover you like nothing else yeah um and, and that was that was that was gross and then yeah or, or todd phillips and the whole lead up to the film coming out and his his whole press tour was just fucking moronic. Yeah. yeah. I I think what's it, I saw this film well after it left like well after it left cinemas. And so I had the whole cycle of commentary had gone totally totally gone. And so I came to it kind of expecting you know to be concerned but also i'd read the things that people were like oh it's really not that bad you know i'd heard everything that you guys had to say about it as well and so i kind of i had the reverse experience from you aj whereas i felt like i could actually just not bring any of that into the watch of it and just see what it felt like Mm. and i what i what i found in the movie was actually a story that invited me to empathize and i think that that's kind of the gross thing about a lot of the sort of commentary the quote-unquote woke commentary about like oh you know the last thing we need to do is empathize and a movie telling us to empathize with kind of like hateful right-wing like white guys who might shoot someone but it's like actually if you want less of these people in society this movie is showing you the conditions and and like i i thought about kind of the less of these people and we're sorry jeremy Oh, shut up. <laughs> but like now, what was the word you used? Yeah. Was okay. it was it good on you? Anyway, so <laughs> the I, I thought about the fact that if this movie was like if if the ethnicities were were changed to anything other than a white guy, this movie would be groundbreaking and amazing. And it cause basically it's going, where do the roots of violence come from? Where do mm. the roots of disaffiliation, isolation, and disaffection come from? And I think that if we're looking at a group of people who are con- are a concern to society, so like basically um, people with mental illness, pe- like you know, sort of loner, loner white guys who have a predilection for violence, um, and and a feeling that they don't have any connection to society or that society owes them something. Um, actually, a film that explores what brings that mentality to the surface in people is really t- is really timely. Um, and I think there's a massive school of people that think. Uh, we don't want to hear those stories, though, because. But that's the the yeah, fact, that, enough the fact that people don't want to hear those stories is why this is. It's for me. I was kind of like, this is why. 
I I know people who are difficult to be around. I know people who, mm. when you are when you're, you're around them, them. <laughs> when you're around them and you're talking to them, they make you feel uncomfortable. And so the easiest thing is to just not be around them to ignore them. Just like, um, just like Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. You know, just like this character of Arthur who is just like, oh, you're really awkward and you don't know the right thing to say. And mm. like from the beginning of the movie, you you kind of go. It's it's a tragedy. It's 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 a Shakespearean tragedy. I used to tragedy. think it was a comedy, but no, it's, it's, a <laughs> it's a Shakespearean Fuck. tragedy showing kind of like that. Yeah, I think it said something for me. I saw something deeper yeah. about uh, people. It wasn't about society. It was about people. Yeah. Um. And, and- but I think as well that like whether you're for or against um this movie and and this kind of movie existing, I think both sides have really interesting conversations to be had which is why this movie caused so much conversation because mm. and i think that that makes it a piece of art yeah and i think this has a chance at the oscars i think it probably will be nominated for best picture i think joaquin phoenix will be nominated for best actor um todd phillips just doesn't fucking deserve all these conversations phoenix is the guy who wins the oscar for the joker mm. what like oh yeah man, yeah no, he, he, he did win yeah. best supporting actor yeah. um Heath Ledger did he won posthumous yeah. but like crazy that the character of Joker inspires like performances that you know conceivably two performances in just over 10 years mm. that win Oscars yeah that could win Oscars and I mean because who's played the Joker um on on live action film Jack Nicholson Heath Ledger Jared Leto oh just Joaquin all Phoenix, incredible all, Joaquin Phoenix is the only non-Oscar winner that's true yeah mm. um mm. so maybe he'll get one for this so uh okay next up uh the adams family none of us saw zombieland 2 this is a really interesting one zombieland double tap Mm. um i fucking do not remember this film i saw it and then like a week later i was like oh because because i had a friend up from christchurch and i was like oh what do we do um with him because i was like oh yeah what do we do and they was like that's right (laughs) we went to zombieland 2 and i was like i i guess i remember the plot but like yeah. and it was fine it was probably better than a 10 year late comedy that's, sequel that's my be. yeah that's my take on it is that this the trailers for this movie were fucking awful yeah I, they made it look like it was so like you've seen this before remember these kinds of movies these 10 years too late sequels to movies that didn't need one in the first place remember this this is gonna fucking suck it looked like pandering to to you know the whatever fan base the first zombie land movie had and it just looks like such garbage uh, and then i went to it and because it was probably about as good as zombie land one I felt like I had to sing its praises a little stronger. Yeah, that, that's then. the thing. It's like, it's as good as this other three and a half star movie. Yeah, yeah. And um, what you've got to remember, what you've got to remember with Zombieland Double Tap is Zombieland isn't actually that great of a movie. It's it's pretty good. It's fine. You know, I do think the the strangest thing about this, and I think if I could be bothered watching it again, I, I would want to do like a video about this or something, is that... Um, this was, so if, if you, Jeremy, do you know much about the, like the hit, the history of Zombieland as a, as a intellectual property? No, educate me, please. So, so it was conceived as a TV show. Um, and if you watch that 
the original Zombieland with that in mind, you start seeing things like Zombie Kill of the Week make a lot more sense if it was a TV show. And mm. th- this like road trip kind of story makes a lot more sense if it's a TV show. And having like a different celebrity guest star each episode, like Bill Murray, would <laughs> makes a lot more sense in, in a TV show. You know, <laughs> things like that. It would be an exciting, um, it'd be exciting weekly watch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and like a com- comedic answer to The Walking Dead, basically. Um, and uh, they actually... Uh, a few years after Zombieland came out, um, Amazon did like their pilot season where they commissioned a bunch of pilots and people voted on which ones they'd want to see. And they made a pilot for a Zombieland TV show, which was a sequel to the movie where they'd recast everyone, which was its first mistake. Um, and, you know, if if I hadn't seen Woody Harrelson play Tallahassee, I probably wouldn't have known I was missing out on much seeing some guy I've never heard of play Tallahassee. Um and it, it kind of bombed and it didn't get uh, bought for series. Um, but then Zombieland 2 comes out 10 years later and this movie was the the end of the first season of a TV show written 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like every, everything about it is so, like first of all, and, and kind of one of its most telling ways, like a lot of the characters are real dated. There's like a, a stereotypical blonde, um, you know, dumb blonde new character in it whose entire purpose in the story feels kind like bordering on troubling in 2019 you know whereas 10 years ago wouldn't have batted a fucking eye at this character yeah this is to be fair she's like the best part of the film though she is very funny yeah she is funny um and like the fact that they managed to get a lot of pretty good comedy out of like that such a dated stereotype that you haven't seen the film for 10 years and and it has been updated, but that's also really weirdly like anti hippies and pro guns in a way that you know feels very once society- upon a time in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> mainstream society really isn't that anti hippies and pro guns anymore. Um, but you know, ten years ago when Zombieland One came out, maybe would have felt a bit better. And it's uh, the ho- the whole like climax of the film and everything about it feels like the end. Like you're watching a whole season arc play out. Whether it's a whole second season, if the first Zombie Land was the first season or not, like it just screams second season of a TV show that was all right, but not as groundbreaking as the first. <laughs> so that's that's my, my nice, autopsy. very good. Love your little summations, AJ. Thanks, um, man. So now uh, next up, a uh, few films that I don't think any of us uh, saw or cared about. Uh, Are you afraid of the dark? Don't even think that came out here. Uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood isn't out here yet, but I'm very excited to see that. Terminator 6, Dark Fate. The biggest movie none of us saw, right? Yeah, Surely. this is this year's um, Planet of the Apes film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which I, I've, I've never seen one of those in the cinema, but I love them. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog was supposed to come out, but uh, there was a big fiasco around that, wasn't there? Mm, um, yeah. We should talk about that next year. Um, oh, and uh, Charlie's Angels. Uh, did you see that, Jeremy? No, no one saw it. Yeah, no one saw that. Um, and Elizabeth I, Banks was I, I, not too happy about the fact I, that no one saw that. I do feel like the studio did Elizabeth Banks dirty on that one because, man, did I not see very much. Um, I did not see very much promo around that. Yeah, there was that one song that um, Lana Del Rey. I don't even know if it was supposed to be any good or not. Uh, it's um, definitely it, it, not thought to be good by pretty much anyone other than Elizabeth Banks. <laughs> yeah, who then uh, you know came out and said that it's because of sexism that it bombed. 
Which is um, such, I'm sorry, it's such a bullshit reason. Like, no, I disagree. No, I think that definitely could be part of it. No, I like, I, there are many film reviewers that like very positively review a whole bunch, like film reviewers that I've listened to who very positively reviewed even like Ghostbusters 2016. There's 51% like, of Ron Spines. Like, actually said, I'm sorry, but like Charlie's Angels, this version of it, like I hated the previous versions because I thought it was like exploitative of women and all that sort of stuff. But obviously they had their place because they were successful. This one just tries to be all things to all people and it fails. And so it's like I tr- people I trust not to be sexist in terms of like their reviewing and yeah, like they but just- But also the fact that, that maybe you said that you didn't see any promotion for it, that could be- Oh, no, exactly. But the thing is that the studio, the studio, like, if you have a terrible movie on your hands, you're like, well, we're not going to spend a lot of money marketing it. Mm. I also Tell just don't think Lucas anyone was film. crying out for a Charlie's yeah. Angels movie. Like, like no one was going, oh, man, you know, what would we love? A yeah, I, I think yeah. It, it feels a bit like a failed passion project, which yeah. I think we've got another one coming up. Uh, Charlie's Angels is like that, eh? Because it, 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 it had a TV show reboot about 10 years ago um, that no one watched either. And it's like they, they keep, keep trying to bring it back up but yeah there's yeah. it's one of those things where uh people that are in charge of things are now getting to the age where they grew up with the original um well, the and, original was in the 70s yeah true so like I mean, we're, we're now two generations like a, a whole generation beyond that yeah, as well. yeah but but you know like there, there is this crowd of people that loved the original and i and from what i understand of the all the reboots and remakes that they don't understand why it did so well maybe um and also, so they keep trying to re-update it for a new audience and they, they're they missing something. Also, by entertainment, sounds, sounds entertainment speaks to culture, right? And so yeah. the best reboots are the ones that manage to take an existing property and, and find ways to connect that same, like the core of what it was, to the culture where it is now. And so I think the 70s and the late 90s had a very similar cultural moment. Um, which is why you got things like Mission Impossible being rebooted, and, and also you had all the people who were kids when those they were all now adults um, of a certain age, and they loved seeing it. And so, I just think Charlie's Angels time it's over. Right, yeah. <laughs> no more Charlie's Angels. Okay, uh, you heard it here first, folks. All right. So uh, there's also we were supposed to have Kingsman: The Great Game, which has now been renamed The King's Man, and that comes out late next year. And I fucking this year, sorry. And I fucking love that title, The King's Man. I think that's such spoilers a spoilers for title. the most anticipated podcast. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You can't, give your, you can't give your thoughts on what's going to be coming up. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, that was the end of the episode of part three. Tune in next week for part four, which is the second half of this discussion. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you are interested, uh, we have our letterboxed rankings of 2019 in the show notes below, as well as links to all the wonderful places where you can support Cole Popshire, such as Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can email us at colepopshiremedia at gmail.com. You can leave a five-star review on iTunes. 
you can listen to us on Acast. Do all these things, please. We are desperate for your attention um, and your love and support. And so, yeah, do all those things and tune in next week. And also, don't stop listening just yet because uh, we have a new segment that uh, on the show from our Patreon supporters, of course, being the post-credit scene. And that should be coming up just a few seconds after I finish talking right now. Hey everybody, thanks for uh, listening to this episode and thanks for sticking around here at the end. Uh, we got a little bit of a cheeky new thing we're doing in 2020, uh, just for you sneaky little boys and girls who have listened this far. Uh, and who donate on Patreon. Yeah. Plenty of everyone can hear this, right? This is for. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you can only be featured if you're mm. part of our Patreon. So this is our post-credit sequence, yeah. our first one. For part of a new tier of Patreon. Yeah, well, not an, it's part of an old tier, <laughs> but oh. a new addition to, to an old tier on Patreon. And if you want to be included in this, you can go to www.patreon.com slash and throw in some change. <laughs> and you can also do the following, which is, we said, I think it's the $5 tier, donate to the $5 tier, and you can ask us a question, give us a challenge, that's something to talk about in this little section after each episode for me and Richard. And Richard, this first question, the first ever post credit scene comes to us from Michael Griffin, and he asks, what is your most anticipated console game of 2020, or discuss why Justin Thoreau should play AJ in the biopic about Colt Popsha? All right, which one do you want to do? <laughs> well, we and can we do... we dare not we can... answer the other question that we don't think. <laughs> We can answer both. Um, okay, more my most anticipated video game of 2020 is, without a doubt, The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, I love The Last of Us and The Last of Us Left Behind so fucking much. They are like my favorite pieces of media in existence. They mean so much to me, and I am so excited for the belated sequel to Let Me Down. Um, <laughs> yeah um yeah I, I guess i kind of have i must i have the same answer like i don't know i'm not a huge uh gamer boy i know you're Neither. you're quite a rise up gamers kind of guy um you, yeah i'm you're a, a big fan of the joker atheist, misogynist yeah um, but yeah i mean i'm looking forward to last of us part two uh very much um there's a lot of games that i'm like oh yeah i'm looking forward to that but i probably would never get like cyberpunk 2077 um i'm also mm -hmm. despite what the what people said when the uh footage was first released i'm actually still looking forward to marvel's avengers game from square enix true and i'm also looking forward to um uh the new Oddworld game i think is coming out this year oh yeah which is called Soulstorm, so i'll be excited mm. about that though i do not think it will recapture the magic yeah. of the 1990 something yeah. original there's also the um the star wars skywalker saga lego star wars skywalker saga Oh, uh, really? which is all nine films that'll be fun nice okay well why should justin thoreau play me in a biopic because uh, he's Potter? real hot thanks man all right who should play you uh who's hotter than justin thoreau tessa thompson <laughs> yeah can be lady in the tramp <laughs> cool <laughs>